Thank you, guys. Appreciate that quite a bit. Um, it's sometimes you wonder, okay, Lord, how are we going to get this all worked out together with mid correction? And in God's infinite wisdom, He has worked it out. Um, great songs, guys. Um, I'm not preaching uh, Frank's sermon, so you'll have to come back to hear part two of his series he's working on. So this is a little, maybe a commercial break in that sense. So we are going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 21 and 22 this morning. And the question I have for you is, do you feel the Christian life is an adventure or not? Are you one of those people that say, well, yeah, some days, but you know what? Life around me is difficult. There's destruction. There is danger. There's evil, a mist. There is a lot of stuff that I have no control over. And then there are other times life is just boring. It's routine. You go from one day next, and there's nothing there. I want to... Stop for a moment and ask you that. Where are you placing your hope? I truly believe that every day is a venture with God. Because he opens the day by showing you his power. He opens the day to show you the great creation he has done for us. We look out and we see the sun shining, or the, in some cases the snow falling, or the rain. We see the Earth respond to grow, to cycle through its season. We go through various days, activities, and we actually see Christ in others. We see Jesus working among us in lives. We see, a couple weeks ago I, get, I had a chance to preach, and one of the things that I used as a sermon illustration was a friend of mine Scott Olson, who lives in Oklahoma, and he had an encounter with a Salvation Army bell ringer, and um, his name was Blue, and um, Blue said, well, what's up? And he says, oh, life is tough, and he goes, well, let me pray for you, and he did, and as Scott was leaving, Scott thanked him for that, and he says, no, I thank you because I got to see Jesus in you. Every day we have that opportunity to see Jesus and somebody else. That automatically makes it a venture. Now, you might ask, okay, how do we define that word adventure? Okay, let's go back to the dictionary as my standard. It says, uh, it means a hazardous or exciting experience or a daring feat, a undertaking involving risk and, or excitement. Every day we, we experience that. So the question I walk up to and say, okay, how is that possible? How am I, am I living a life that's adventurous in Christ? Am I looking out and seeing Christ in others? Some days, yes. Some days I'm overwhelmed and I'm not looking anywhere. Um, some days it's a little routine. And that routineness steals that sight and I needed to see Christ. And, and there are excitement that we have in Christ, and we have that adventure. I know that I won't have an Indiana Jones adventure. 
But um, I'll have some great adventures with Christ every day if, if I look to see him. We talked where Christ is present with us no matter where we are. A couple weeks ago, that sermon that I preached was on the practicing the presence of God in your life where you automatically think, I am walking with God today. And what new things is he going to reveal to me? What is he going to do in my life to reveal himself through me to others? How is he going to use me? One of my life verses I have um, is John 3, verse 30. And John the Baptist uh, was on the scene and um, Jesus started his ministry and uh, everybody was starting to flock from John to Jesus. And John's disciples came to John and says, What's going on? We're losing everybody. Aren't you concerned? And his response is key. He says, he must increase and I must decrease. That means he must increase in my life and I must decrease my selfishness, my personal agenda, and let him work through that. That verse has stayed with me over for over 35 years. It was one of the verses that just spoke to me, and it constantly reminds me of that. So let me share a story with you about one of Jesus' disciples. His name is James, and we find his story a little bit in Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, and they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to be fishers from people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Okay, that verse is a little, I mean, just more of a description of what transpired. But there's a deeper meaning behind that. Um, we know a little bit about John and James because uh, they're two of the disciples. And we have seen a couple of incidents where John and James had their mother sent to Jesus say, Hey, when you get to your kingdom, remember my boys. Um, and that's what we think of him. But James is kind of lost in all this. He's the older brother. Um, in Luke chapter 5, verses 8, we see a little bit more about uh, James in the midst of Peter's confession of who Jesus is. Let me read that verse, uh, Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that had been taken. So were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their nets on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay, it's always James and John, sons of Zebedee. That's how James is known. We don't know much about him. So I want to give you a a possible interview with him Um, when he's alive. Um, so it's going to be a little monologue, okay? Um, kind of create a word, word picture in your mind of uh, a burly, rough, hairy man 
sitting in a jail cell because he's been arrested by King Herod. And you or the interviewer are going in for the local newscast to get a scoop on why this man's in jail. And you ask him, what are you doing? Tell me your story. So here's the story I want to share with you. This is James talking. Well, it all started when we were working the family's business with my father, my brother, and my friends. It was something I've done for years since I was tall enough to see over the boat side. Fishing is hard work. Just ask anyone who does it now. Also, the smells. Oh, the smells. The odor of dead fish. Seaweed. Drying nets. Wet wood. Man, those things live on. You always have wet clothing. Sunburned all the time because you're out in the sun. Not to mention the body aches and pains from all that lifting and pulling and carrying. It's enough to make you older than your time. There I was sitting in a box in the boat, repairing the nets again. A daily exercise because they tear so easily with the hard work that they have to do. I've been up before the sun came up again. I'm not a person that likes to get up early. Then one day, a man, his name was Jesus, came up to me and invited me. Call me by name to come with him. For some reason, I went. Right then and there, I dropped everything and walked away from him. Immediately. Man, I couldn't believe I did that. Boy, was my father mad. I still can remember that look on his face when myself and my brother got up and walked away. We walked away from the family business my father has built over his lifetime. It was one day going to be mine as the eldest brother, but I walked away. What amazing experiences we have had since then in those days. We've traveled through the land, something I've never done before, nor my family. We have no reason to travel far because we're fishermen. We need to be close to the water. Ho ho life was there at the sea. Why would I leave? We saw places like Galilee, Samaritan, Judah. We've been to towns like Nazarene, Bethany, Jerusalem. Some of the things that I've seen and experienced, I've seen people who have been afflicted with years of some type of disease and sickness healed, leprosy, blindness, death, crippled limbs. Saw dead people rise again. Peter's mother-in-law was one of the ones I've seen. Every place we went, large crowds followed. I've never been in crowds like that before. I learned some lesson about Jesus that touched so deeply into my soul, I was amazed He told me how to be a light to others, how to be salt. He told me how to respond to emotions, to people, even to love our enemies and the unclean of the world. Boy, how much God has loved us. Spiritual truth was explained to me in such ways that even a child could understand. But there were times I just shook my head and asked Jesus to further help me understand. And he did. I learned how to pray. Forgive others. To give to the needy without expectation of getting something back. Learning how to fast with the right motives. 
not like the teachers of the law tells you. I've learned how to deal with worry, money, and life struggles. I've seen a hated, loathed Roman centurion come to Jesus for help and believed in him. There was that raging storm at sea. I've been in storms like that before. Scares me to death. But that moment, Jesus stood and rebuked the storm and it became smooth as glass. Unbelievable. I found myself eating with sinners, those socially rejected people of the day with Jesus. That tax collector, Matthew, is now a friend of mine. Wow. I've seen religious teachers of the day come to Jesus with questions, seeking understanding. The leaders come into Jesus to be taught. I've seen over 5,000 men fed with 12 baskets of food left over at one time. I've seen another time where over 4,000 was fed with seven baskets of food left, all from a few fish and loaves. I've seen so many, so many miracles at time, you're left speechless. We could go on and on about the miracles, the healings. Words can't des- describe the feeling of being lost in great relief over the uh, grief over the death of Jesus. Man, that was hard. He was my life. And he was gone. Amazing, three days later, he came back to us, alive. I sat with him, I ate with him, I talked with him, I hugged him. Seeing him rose to the heavens above on that day with the others amazed me. It confirmed to me that he truly was the Son of God. The event in the temple with Peter and the others that one day at Pentecost. Wow. God used Peter in such a mighty way. His education and mine is equal. None. We didn't have a learning experience, but he spoke with such passion that people were amazed and so many was added that day. Unbelievable. We went from a hundred and so people to 3,000 next, and another time, over 5,000. It continues to grow. I'm seeing people come to a realization of they need Christ in their life. I've seen the promise of the comforter sent in his place. Wow. We were even able to do many of the great things that Jesus did, like healing the sick. The, uh, the blind, the cripple. I became friends, unbelievable, with one of the most zealous defenders of the Jewish law. He is now a fellow believer in Jesus. And his name is Paul. Now here I sit waiting for the next step in my life. I have no idea what will happen. King Herod has arrested me for some reason that he feels I'm a threat to him. This lonely little fisherman here. But you know, God has great plans for me. I'm just waiting for the next adventure. Okay, that's the story. So can you see what James was about? Can you kind of feel a little bit for him? Um, He gave up everything to follow Jesus because he saw a need in his life and Jesus fulfilled it. 
And from there, Jesus took him on a variety of adventures. He changed the world. Now, you might ask, well, what happened to James? Well, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, tells us what happened. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, attending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This all happened during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. James became the first martyr for, in Jesus' name at that time. But you might think, well, that, that, that's 2,000 plus years ago. That was then. This is now. Life is tough. But you know, there are four principles we can pull from this. What can we learn from James? One, God is in control. Our direction, our vision, our life. He is in control. He will provide, number two, he will provide what we need. Food, possessions, protection. Number three, life with God is never dull. And stop and think for that moment. Life with God is never dull. We have access to walk into the throne room of the most high holy God. He welcomes us in and he tells us come and sit next to Jesus. On the... We get to praise him with a heavenly host. Lastly, under his divine leadership, there are no barriers. We have seen that there was no barriers between Jew and Gentile. We saw no barriers between the rich and the poor. We saw no barriers that in our lives, for Christ has made us all the same. Seeing a new life in Christ start is amazing. That's a miracle that never gets old. We do have stories like that in our own lives. And if we had time, we would go around and you could share some adventures that you have had with God. Just in the last week. The opportunity to share boldly with somebody you had never shared with before. That's an adventure. Because if we remember what our definition of venture is, something exciting and risky, something that takes us on to a, a challenge. There are events in our lives that we get to be involved in that gives us an opportunity to see God at work. He's calling us to be actively involved with him where he is working. And he does. So when I look at my life, I go, man, I would never thought I would be standing before people speaking in a microphone. Oh, those days of growing up completely shy and speech impediment that keeps you from speaking out loud in class. The, uh, the, let me show you one story, a quick little story. Senior year of high school, I thought, okay, I'm going to step out and I want to run for the class president for the class of uh, the seniors. So um, we had to do a three-minute speech before the uh, seniors in high school. So I got up there, had my notes, and the only thing they, anybody ever heard was, hi, my name is Neil. The other two minutes, 45 seconds, I didn't project. I didn't say much. Nobody knew what I was saying. They saw my mouth move, but that was about it. 
I was frightened beyond belief in front of people. And here I am. God has taken me. 38 years ago, he took me and said, I can use you, Neil. I can use you if you commit to, my, to me. Follow me. And what our venture has been. Because who knew I would end up being overseas as a missionary for six years in Stuttgart, Germany. Wow. It was amazing. Meeting Christians from other nationalities, from other places in the world. Being able to do short-term work, mission work in Japan and Belize. Being involved in mentoring other believers in their faith. Amazing how God has used me for his purpose. And that's true in each of our lives. We all have those stories. But corporately, as a body of believers, we have those stories too. It's not a boring existence of church. We have had people come to know Christ in here. We have had people follow Christ in obedience by baptism. I see Sophie is on the front row as one of our candidates of baptism. That's exciting to see how a young person understands their need for Jesus, responds, and follows through obedience. We've had people feel the call of God in their life to come and be a part of our church, officially coming and joining the church. Um, Now, you might say, well, how do you do that? Well, easy. You come to the front and says, Neil, I want to join the church because I'm a believer in Christ. I've been baptized, and I feel God at work here. That's how simple it is. Or you come and say, I feel God's calling me to be involved here. How can I help? We always, one thing about us, we always say, hey, we need help here and here and here and here. So be involved. But God is calling you to be involved. Now, he may say, you've been always doing teaching. I want to give you new excitement. I want to give you an opportunity to strengthen a new area of your life by depending upon me, and I want you to go and lead the music. Or I want you to go lead a kindergarten Sunday school class. Or I want you to go and teach the junior high, high school group because they need it, you need it, and this will bring glory to God. And that's... That's what we're trying to do is give you the opportunity to follow Christ as he calls us. We have seen answered prayers here for healings, for jobs, for family, for birth of babies. We have seen parents realizing the importance of coming here and standing in our midst and saying, we're dedicating our child to God because he is worthy to follow, and I want to raise my child so that they come to the same acknowledgement of Christ in their life. That's exciting to see. You can say life is boring. Yes, we do get tired, weary, and worn out from all. But in those moments, we must continue on, pressing on, enduring, persevering, being persistent, and how, we, and how do we do that? We do it easily by asking the Spirit to fill us with God's strength. Endurance is what James talks about in chapter 6. 
when trials and persecution comes upon you and you are endure. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as you have opportunities, let us do good to all people, especially to those that belong to the house of the believers. Later in verse 11, 12, and 13, and 14, goes on in um, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full arm of God so that you'll be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this darkness world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 says, Not that I've already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I pressed on to take a hold of what for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of which God has called me, heavenly word, in Christ Jesus. We're encouraged to keep going We're encouraged to press on. We're encouraged to stand firm, continue the fight, just as Paul has said. So we have to also ask ourselves, if we are looking to see God at work, or are we too busy looking at our situation in life that we miss him? Every day opens another door for another adventure with God. But you need to do something. You need to... Stop and pray, Lord, this is your day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, and I will go forth as your witness. I ask for boldness to speak. I ask that you will reveal you through me to others. Make me useful for you today. We need to ask for that spiritual eyes to be open in order to see God at work around us. By doing that, we're then we can see Christ in the midst of all those events, those miracles, those life-changing adventures. Do I see with the eyes of Jesus? Some days. Do I see the wondrous things God has done each day? Some days. I need to learn to take my eyes off myself and look towards God. And he will reveal those Kodak moments of life that will strengthen me, encourage me, remind me about what I'm about. And we have the Spirit with us, no matter where we go. We know the presence of God walks with us. We know that we are in His presence. So, the, so I come down to a, a couple applications for this. How does this apply to me right now, today? I think in a couple ways. One, understand... You're in an adventure today. 
And it's going to be an exciting adventure because you will get to see God at work in you and around you. Just start the day off by praying. Open yourself up for that. Psalms chapter 40, verse 3. I claim this, but I, don't, I can't do this all the time. And it says, verse 3, He puts a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. He puts a new song in my mouth of praise. I learned to praise him more often. We also need to remind ourselves what he has done in, in the past in our life, for he is faithful to us. And then ask the Lord, open your eyes. See where he is at work and how you can be a part of that. And at the end of the day, you review your day and realize it's been an adventure filled with excitement, some stress, some answer prayers, some miracles. And that's what's life about. So that's the essence of this sermon today. Okay, it's a little different than a couple weeks ago where I gave you the fire hose approach. This is a little bit slower because I had to quickly come together with this. And so it gave you some time to think. So that's what we want to do. We want to stop for a few moments and we want to pray. We want to lift our voices on high in a moment with a song. But we want to also say, Lord, use me today. The day's not over. What adventure do you have in my life ready for me and you're asking me to be a part of? So let's stand and let's pray. Father, that's where we are. We are at this point in our lives that routine and boredom sets in. We do the same thing over and over and we lose that passion. We lose that excitement to see you at work in us. You promised you're faithful to us in all sorts of ways. And there are times, Father, we walk this world in a a blindness. We don't see you at work. And then we tend to believe the lies that is sent to us that you don't care for us, that you don't love us. And that is so far from the truth. For you are our Lord, our Savior. You love us with a depth of love that cannot be expressed. You have called us, Father, to be used by your kingdom for your purpose. And some days it's easier than others. And so I ask, Father, for strength, for that boldness. Because it's you who we are walking with. It's you who we represent. It's you who gives us that strength to walk that path. So we praise you, Father, for all that you have done and continue to do. We praise you for your faithfulness to us, your grace and mercy, for answer prayers, for you hear our prayers out that we share invisibly and through our heart, and you respond to them according to your perfect will. So, Father, Let this day be that day that we rejoice and be glad in it. Let it be a day that 
we exalt you throughout. Let's be that day that we're bold in speaking and not ashamed of our faith in you to others. And we praise you, Father. For we just, we are humbled by the fact that you greatly love us. In your son's precious name. We want to give you an opportunity too. If you feel God is calling you to do something, go on a mission trip. Stand out and make a difference in your life. You feel God is calling you to do something differently. We want to give you the opportunity because you can come here, pray, commit that to God, or you could do it in your chair. We also have others that may have decided, you know, it's time that I commit myself to this local body of believers joining officially. Come on down. Tell me what you want to do. We'll vote on you right now. You're in. That's how simple it is. Because we know that God has brought you here for a reason. He needs you to be involved here. We need you involved in this. If you just want to come down and just pray, that's fine. Whatever you need to do, we're asking you to respond to the guidance of the Spirit. So guys, go ahead.